0: we talk a lot about human-centered design and we talk a lot about design thinking. I think that the idea of human-centered design is a little narrow. I really think it should be relationship-centered design. Everything we do resol- revolves around different relationships. I kind of see what we do as relationship-centered design thinking, a mouthful, but that's kind of how I view what we do. There are so many relationships that are involved in everything that we are doing and everything our clients are doing. I mean, there's relationships between our internal team, our team with our clients, our clients and their clients and their clients' users. And then there's the relationship between the needs of the user user and the features of the product or the features themselves.
1: Well, hello, Daniel Enhart. How are you today?
2: You know, I am doing really well, George. You know, but if you were to look at my coffee mug um, that I got for Chris, you might just say I'm doing okay. So this the is world's... what I got for Christmas from my oldest, my 14 year old, uh, the world's okayest dad. And I'm like, you know, I mean, there's truth to that. You know,
1: <laughs> we like, can't all be the greatest yeah, dad. Yeah. We can't. You can't. Sometimes and we're just, just the okayest at dad.
2: But then, if you look in the uh, the inside here. On the inside, on the inside. JK. I can't. JK. JK, you're the greatest. JK, you're the, JK, great. you're the great. Great- <laughs> greatest. Yeah. So, anywho, I really do love corny coffee Fun. mugs. I have several of them. Um, yeah. I don't know. They just make me smile. I really like them.
1: I'm trying to think. And that's, how I'm, that's
2: yeah, how I'm doing yeah, today. That's how I'm
1: doing today. You did well. That's <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, well, hey, let's bring people in. Um, I, I, for those that have been listening for a little while now, you know that we're exploring this space. Uh, I I Kind of, I do it every time. No pun intended. Um, We're exploring exploratory (laughs) services. Um, We are um, at Crema. We have what we call our vital few. So this is our kind of big rocks, our big initiatives for each year. Oftentimes, and I've said this before, we we take on too many, and um, it usually ends up being like on the shoulders of one person to do all of them. And Mm -hmm. this year, we said, you know, let's really. Let's really think about how we can kind of divide and conquer here. Crem has grown. We're serving more clients than ever before. And yet we want to press into even greater things as an organization. And one of those areas is how can we be thinking about how to move up the funnel Mm -hmm. or up the decision-making tree to the point where we're working with folks to say, let's talk about some of your core your root challenges that you're facing right now either inside the product you already have or inside your business or inside your culture and from that let's explore the possibilities Mm -hmm. let's let's explore is another piece of tech the right thing or should we prototype something or should we maybe shift the way your teams are set up so that you can get more done i mean there's all these opportunities and through that, we're having conversations with the folks that are on our team here at Crema, those that are kind of investing themselves, their time, their their heads, their, their minds to um, really becoming experts in this craft. And so today, I'm super excited to welcome Aubrey to the podcast. Aubrey, so good to see you today. How are you doing?
0: Doing super well, really excited to be here. Uh, always wanted to do a podcast, so this is going to be a fun first-time experience for me, so bear with me.
1: You're, you're going to do great. You're going to do great. It's going to be awesome. Um, so Aubrey, tell us a little bit about you, your background, um, where, where your craft has been focused in your career up to this period of time where, where Crema is really um, really excited about exploring exploratory um, work. Uh, so mm-hmm. give us a little bit of background on you. Who is Aubrey?
0: Absolutely. So I started out of college going into a custom web design dev shop, mostly designing uh, WordPress sites, forward facing marketing sites. And I had a lot of really exciting opportunities uh, in that job. I got to design a lot of amazing websites for some really cool companies. And I really loved what I did for a while. And then I started to kind of realize that I wasn't really getting to have the strategic challenge that I'd always wanted. It started to just feel very repetitive and I was looking for something that was a little bit more outside the box and a little less standard. And at that time I had the opportunity to work on a couple of applications and I thought, this is what I want to do. This is really exciting. I'm getting to solve real world world problems and experiences that aren't just like a one-time interaction to come on and learn about a company, but things that are continuously interacted with. And that was really exciting for me. So at that point, I left my job and I didn't have an extra job lined up yet, but I just decided that I was going to make the move and make the switch. So I started making my portfolio, learned Webflow to do that, build a custom portfolio and applied to Crema, who I didn't even know existed, which is crazy to me now. Um, and when I found Crema, <laughs> I thought, I can't believe this place is in Kansas City. <laughs> and I did it right. literally two blocks from my house. I mean, I literally <laughs> walked to work when I started there. It was that close. So very happy uh, discovery for me at the time. And I applied and I heard from y'all a day later. And then I've been here since. So for the last three years, I've been working as a product designer on our team. And I've had a really uh, exciting chance to explore my product design skills, learn a lot of new things. And I just really fell in love with the strategy and planning side of it. And I just really found that that was my place. And so with this exploratory work, I'm getting to kind of live in that space, which is very exciting.
1: Tell us, so, so go into that a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like. What is your role, um, or even on? You know, go into it as much as you want on the, uh, some of the recent projects you've been working on, but as we start thinking about exploring, quote unquote, with clients that we're, we're not yet building something for them. We're, we're mm-hmm. kind of coming back up to the, what's the potential? What does that look like? What are the types of activities? What is the, um, you know, what does the day-to-day look like on that team? as you're working with clients in this this space?
0: Absolutely. This is actually something I've been trying to figure out how to explain for a couple of months now since we decided to do this. And I feel like I finally rounded out my original analogy, so bear with me. So when people ask me what I did as a product designer, I would tell them that it was, if you compared it to building a building, um, we would do information architecture, which was kind of like the blueprint of the house. And then we would do the UX design, which was, Doing the signs, the wayfinding, figuring out how people really interact with the space and what that what they feel like when they're in that space. And then the UI design is the interior design and you would, you know, making everything beautiful, making a space you want to exist in. And that was kind of the product design space that I was living in. With exploratory services, now we are kind of doing something that's a little bit before that, right? To be able to get to the point where you're laying out a blueprint. There's a lot of pre-work that needs to be happening. And prior to us starting exploratory services, our clients were doing that work. And then we were coming in and we were just kind of taking it and running with it to actually make the build. But with the work that we're doing now in exploratory services, we're kind of getting to actually do, um, kind of what I'm calling the, the innovation area of what are we actually building? right? What is this going to be? Is it going to be a house? Is it going to be a skyscraper? Is it going to be a bridge? And how is that house skyscraper bridge going to differentiate itself from other? houses, skyscrapers, and bridges. And what about being experiencing that, driving across it, existing within that space is going to be exciting and valuable to a user? So that's kind of the innovation space. And then there's also the validation space, which I kind of consider the foundation, right? Nothing exists well without a really positive or really strong foundation. And so that's what we do with our validation services. Is we're going in and saying, this is the foundation we're going to make everything we're going to do after this strong. And the last kind of piece is what I call the empower piece, which is kind of the contractor, right? The contractor goes and they find all the subcontractors, they get all the tools, they get all the right people to come in and make sure things work properly, right? So um, that kind of sounds like an internal thing, but I actually mean that externally and saying working with our clients to build their teams, give them the right tools, making sure their process is working the right way. So when this house gets built, everything is working as it should. So that's kind of how I explain it to people. And so we're just getting a little bit earlier, still doing a little bit of that blueprint work and touching a little bit on the UX and UI. We're just actually designing less and exploring more to make sure it has a good foundation to move forward. If it moves on to one of our full stack teams.
2: Aubrey, it's, it's easy to hear the passion that you have for this. Uh, obviously you are an incredibly talented designer. I know you're passionate about product design, but moving into kind of this exploratory, uh, very, you mentioned it earlier out of the, out of the box, outside the box thinking, um, uh, what is it that you love about this work, um, th- that we're terming exploratory services?
0: A lot of things. I think we get to have ideas that a lot of times we have after the fact when we're working with clients, we think, oh my gosh, if only they would have X, right? And now we get to say, no, not that X, like we're going to do this. And that's an opportunity that we don't always have. Um, And I think we're going to actually deliver better products because of it, right? When we can really go and explore and help our clients do these things, they're going to be able to build better products. And so they're going to be able to have their users have better experiences. And that's right at the end of the day, right? When the products we make are hoping to make some part of people's lives better or more enjoyable. And so the better of a problem we can solve and the better of approach we have in solving that problem, it allows us to impact more people in a more positive way. So I think that's really exciting. And also just getting to question ideas, right? Like Really focus Mm. on not just the what, but the why and the how it's just a different perspective. And we got to do that a little bit, but it was just, you know, that was just tipping our, or dipping our toe in the water and now we're jumping full in. And so it's just a different approach and it's, it's really exciting. I think we're going to do a lot of great things with it. So it's, and it's going really well so far and we love what we're doing.
2: Awesome.
1: Aubrey, I'm curious, what, you know, as you're coming in from, from a design perspective, it's a little bit different than maybe Justin from a facilitation or coaching perspective or CK from a development kind of functional perspective. What do you think your your design skills, your maybe whether it's design thinking or actually visual design or UX, UX design, how does that help you even if you're not designing something? What do you think that those creative skills bring to the table as we're exploring with folks?
0: For me, whenever I was kind of working in the product space, right, I I really loved the ideas part. And I could plan the whole thing out. And it was really exciting, figuring out how to solve the problems. How should these features work? And then it was like, okay, build it for six months. And I was just like, ugh. I just, it was just, it felt draining to me. It's not the way that my mind works. And, and I'm not, it's not that I'm bad at doing it, but I just, there wasn't the passion there. And so when you're working to build these long projects, it's just kind of a, When those details aren't as exciting to you. It just starts to kind of be a draw. And so I think, but it did teach me a lot, right? I learned a lot from learning how to build these full experiences and the intricacies of it and the problems that you run into. And so I think my design background is going to be a great foundation, if you will, for us, for knowing what we can recommend, actually understanding what we can and can't do. And from my perspective, I'm very focused on users. I really wanna understand why people do the things they do because Hmm. in order to build a product for them, you need to understand them. And so from my perspective, I get to focus on users and the interactions I've had with users from the work I've done so far is um, a great start to that. And now we're just getting to dive deeper into those sorts of things. We're getting to ask more questions. We're getting to do research in different ways. And we're getting to spend more time fleshing out problems that we used to have maybe a week to do. And now we're getting maybe a couple of months. And so there's just a a lot more that we can explore and a lot more questions we can figure out before we get started, which will hopefully make the job of designers who actually build these products a lot easier and they'll have a lot more questions answered. At the same time, I don't want to take away their creative abilities, right? I don't want to hand them a thing and say, build this and have them feel like they're a, um, you know, just like a a machine, working Mm -hmm. in a machine line to build something. I want them to still have their creative, um, you know, individual perspective to be able to answer some of the questions. So it's a balance of how do we give them enough that they can move forward confidently with the direction that we've given them, but not give them so much that we take away their ability to do the things that they still love to do in a creative way.
1: Yeah, that's really good. I'm curious what, um, I'm going to pause here for a second. We lost you partway through that, but I think maybe we'll just assume it did record it. We'll just keep going going forward. And if we, well, we might have to have Larissa cut it. It's it for whatever reason your your internet t- t- is not not being friendly today, um, but we'll, we're going to keep keep rolling. Spring Hill, I the know, joy. I know. It's all good. Okay. Um, I think that's I think you're absolutely right. There's so much. Um, this is why I'm really excited about folks that maybe didn't have a formal, um, you know, a formal training or background in, yeah, you know, research tactics, but instead are saying we're bringing our craft skills to the table to To actually use that creativity, that development mindset, that potential mm. workshopping as a way to unlock, this is everyday work. This is how mm-hmm. you have to reframe thinking in an innovative way almost all the time, and we're here to kind of help reshape that thinking. You said something, though, that I think is really key, and that is this idea of getting closer to the customer, getting closer to the user. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the... Um, Where have you had opportunities to to do that to get closer to the user, to get closer to the the customer, to actually learn what are the needs of the person that we're building the the, potentially building these um, solutions for? What does that look like? Or where have you had kind of those aha moments of, oh yeah, you know what, getting closer was was better.
0: Yeah, so I I'm going to go on a slight tangent and then I'm going to answer your question. So we talk a lot about human centered. We talk a lot about human-centered design, right? Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about design thinking. I think that the idea of human-centered design is a little narrow. I really think it should be relationship-centered design. Everything we do resol- revolves around different relationships. And so I kind of see what we do as re- relationship-centered design thinking. Uh, it's a mouthful, but that's kind of how I view what we do. And that being that there are so many relationships that are involved in everything that we are doing and everything our clients are doing. I mean, there's relationships between our internal team, our team with our clients, our mm. clients and their clients and their clients' users. Um, and then there's the relationship between um, the the needs of the user, user and the features of the product or the features themselves. And then the ideas and execution, right? There's so many different relationships there. And so I think Just getting to really like explore all of those relationships and whether that is our relationship with our clients and the discoveries that we've been able to make by sitting down in a room with them for days on days straight and really just fleshing out ideas that otherwise just wouldn't have risen to the surface has just been really exciting. And one of the things that we found through um, a lot of our initial product labs that we've done with our exploratory projects so far is that something that clients are getting out of it that we we're kind of expecting but we didn't realize how big it would be it was just alignment and not realizing that they were all making all these different assumptions and none of them quite lined up and so these things we're doing with them they're not just about a product they're about their business and we're helping them look internally as well as what are we going to build here right it's it's more than that and so i think that piece for the client has been like the aha moment is We're not aligned. We have work that Hmm. we need to do as well in order to make our company better as well as make this thing that we're trying to build successful. And then when it comes to the actual um, users that we're getting to work with, um, we've already done a couple of focus groups. Um, we're sending out surveys. We went and got to do, do some, as they call it, ethnographic research, um, which is kind of a buzzword. But basically, we got to go and just watch people do their job to learn the process, right? And so those are sorts of things that we're getting to explore and interactions that we're already getting to have that we wouldn't normally have the time to delve it, to dive into when we have a standard full stack project, because things just need to get moving. And so getting to do those things is really exposed a lot of things that we didn't get out of the conversations we were having with clients because they're just a piece of the puzzle. And so getting to go and talk to the people who are actually doing the work, the people who are actually getting to use these things, uh, to exposed a lot of different even features, new ideas, ways to approach things that never would have been considered had we not had the time to sit down and talk with them the way we have.
2: That's really... I I'm I'm probably gonna start processing out loud, but that's really interesting the way that you said relationship centered design versus human-centered oh, yeah. design. There's
1: a blog post and a video coming uh, from that. I I'm yeah, excu- I excited. I'm, I'm pumped for that idea.
2: Yeah, because if you think about it, rarely Yeah, rarely, because it's obviously that in, in inherently means sometimes, but rarely are application solutions. Being built to solve just one person's like immediate like they're the world that they're living and working in solely in isolation. Yeah. Uh, solutions are meant to. I mean, even you know, QuickBooks or anything you're using or anything, especially transactional. It's like the better you can understand the relationship between user slash customer and maybe the administrative person on the back end that's facilitating their transaction or. Customer service representative that is going to answer your really immediate question because you care deeply that, oh my gosh, you know, so much money is missing from my bank account. Someone get back to me. You know, there's something there that to understand the dynamics in the relationship, not only in what each individual person wants, you know, one person, I want to do my job easier, one person wants, I just want a good, effective experience, but that it all hinges on how effective our solutions are at making that relationship a really quality one. That's really interesting. Uh, I brand new for me. Brand, brand new for me folks right there. That's really great.
0: Well, I started the, I started doing research about all the different types of cuz you would see I saw a, a a blog that I think it was called um, a case for B-centered design or something, and I was like, "What in the heck is B-centered design?" And so I started diving <laughs> into it, and then I kind of started saying, "Well, what else could be the center of design?" And so there was hu- human-centered, obviously, environment-centered, life-centered, B-centered, KPI-centered. I mean, there's all these different ones, right? And no one was talking, and all these things were very singular, and I just in my mind, what we're doing on the exploratory team is we're facilitating interactions between Mm -hmm. the user and the product, between ourselves and our clients, right? We're just facilitating interactions. And so everything we're doing really does come down to relationships. And so for the work we're doing, it doesn't seem right to focus on the idea of human, right? Because that's just very siloed and singular and nothing we do is siloed. Our goal is to kind of break Mm -hmm. those silos and really open everything up. And so I think Calling it human-centered design is potentially limiting to what we're really trying to do.
2: Well, and it limits, maybe not limits, but it reduces the actual the focus on the actual complexity of what we're trying to build. Like, mm-hmm. if you're focused on relationships, because relationships are inherently inefficient. I mean, it takes time, it takes quality. There's disagree. I mean, you are working on a relationship all the time. There's trust. Um, there's, yeah, you know, yeah, it's nuanced. Yeah. It's hard, mm-hmm. and so. I think you can, you can get in situations with clients to where if you're focused on maybe just one aspect of the, the relationship, one person or one user type, it can be easy. Like, well, that should be easy. You know, they want to do this, so let's design it for this. But then you can go into all these rabbit holes of like, well, what about the person they're interacting with on this side? Or they're going to have input into that. They're going to have an in, input in that. And so relationship unearths by nature the complexity of what we're trying to design for. And so, wow, that that's really and interesting. That was, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna, we're, ner- we're nerding out on this, Aubrey, because I think you, you hit on a thread that actually answers a lot of questions that I have in my head because the relationship can be, it can be a one-to-one, right? Where it's like, you know, customer service to person calling in for, for help, or it can be a one-to-many, right? The relationship right. a business has with its customer, the relationship a business has with its market, uh, the relationship that a leader has with their board, a relationship that a, um, a product owner has with their product team—you know, like all these things—are based off of a a, re, uh, a level of relationship that, like mm-hmm. Dan said, is hard. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot mm-hmm. of time. We talk a lot about hey, some of this stuff. Just takes time, you know. Right. I love Reed Hoffman's, and I've said it a thousand yeah. times. You know, trust is consistency over time. And, um, and your trust relationship, that is, a, um, what you're trying to build is this ability to say, trust us, we can help you. And in helping you, we've built a relationship with you.
2: Ah, that's hmm. all right, Aubrey. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, I think we got something to talk about, you know, <laughs> open up in the future, future
1: conversations. Yeah. That's yeah, really good. That's super good. Okay. So, so go into that a little bit. So let's use it, that as a framework, whether it's relationships in our design, you know, getting close to the customer where have you seen or experienced or felt friction where where clients either they get it wrong or they struggle with this idea or they don't want to sit in this space for long enough? Where where do you find that, um, you know, there's the ideal, there's the archetype where it's the client that's just like, I'm ready to dream about everything and let's go explore all the opportunities and I want to talk to a thousand customers and and of course prototype every option for me and let's A B test it and like there's these there's there's an ideal, right? But where where do most people enter this space? Where are they struggling to get here? Because this isn't easy work. So where where do you feel like that friction takes place?
0: I think that there is a case to be made that any person on a client's team can be incredibly valuable to the work that we do. So I don't really see it as being something where there's like an individual, like it's not like we're ever like, oh, that person is really causing problems and their approach isn't right. And I think that more so what happens and the reason that problems arise is because there's like almost an imbalance in the ecosystem of their team um, with myself and Justin and CK and Tyler, right, we all kind of have a a slightly different approach. We all kind of fit together into a little bit of a puzzle. um, And we kind of balance each other out. Um, I am the big ideas, dream. Let's think of the crazy things we can do. And then CK is like, that's not technically feasible. Or Justin's like, you're probably going a little too far, right? We all kind of have our thing. And then there's times where they get really crazy ideas. And I say, I don't know how we're going to design. So we have this balance, right? And that's what makes us a successful team. And so I think the biggest problem we run into with clients is they almost too heavily weight certain perspectives or personality types, because they've already kind of invested in an idea or things like that. And so there's a bunch of people pushing for one direction and there's not anyone saying now wait or what if, or maybe we should consider, right? It's It feels like there's already a bit of a kind of preconceived notion sometimes, which almost closes clients off to the possibility that something else could be another opportunity and another direction to explore. Now with our exploratory services, we're getting less of that, right? That's often what we encountered with with um, our clients for our full stack product teams and was a big part of the reason that our exploratory team exists today is because of those kind of mm-hmm. problems where people were already too dedicated to a specific idea and there was no room to say, well, maybe something else. And so I think... For, for those sorts of projects clients just being too sold on an idea that they almost sold to themselves without getting validated first and then not knowing how to kind of pivot and adjust when those when certain pieces are invalidated or questioned and so it's kind of hard to get them off the off the ramp once they're already going and so that's that's kind of that sort of problem with exploratory services i don't know i don't I think with the teams that we've really had the opportunity to work for and the way that we've kind of set up what we're going to be doing, people have been incredibly open to ideas. Mm. I think the biggest problem we're going to run into is that people are going to get excited about ideas and they're going to say, Oh, let's like dive into that so far, and oh, that's a cool idea too. Let's really explore that. And the reality is, is that the way our team is working, we're working in shorter engagements, and we're trying to kind of validate ideas and find solutions and find the right problems to solve. Right, we're kind of doing more of like a satellite level view, whereas when you're kind of working on product teams, you're working on at the trees and leaves level. And so it's really hard when people get excited about an idea to not want to like really dive into that when sometimes we're just not going to have time to do that. So I think the biggest problem we're going to run into is that our clients have just gotten really excited about the, what we're doing so far and they're going to want more. And there's only so much we can do in the time that we have. So it's not a bad problem to have, but it is a matter of Making sure we prioritize, and we don't also get so excited about the ideas, which I am one to do, that we start to put other things on the back burner that also need to be addressed.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, really Aubrey, good. speaking of you know clients getting excited about ideas, or you know, uh, we've talked many times where um, these new services, exploratory services, to help unlock the potential of someone's not just the potential of the idea they come to us with, but the potential and just the possibilities of, of all the ideas uh, that we could, you know, unearth mm-hmm. to help them solve their problem. Obviously, keeping confidentiality, uh, uh, you know, a primary thing. But are there any stories or examples of how you've used uh, design thinking or just some of those, you know, those whether lean, you know, lean UX design thinking activities to where you've helped unlock an idea? Um, does anyone come to mind uh, that you'd like to share?
0: Yeah, I think one of the, the big ones that we're currently exploring with a client was they came to us. Well, this is one of them. I'll talk about a few. One of them was that they came to us with a notion that they really wanted to make sure that whatever we built didn't have to ever be customized from a development perspective for a client. And so we were really looking at how to make sure that um, different other platforms we could integrate with would be able to be integrated with our system and nothing custom would ever have to be done. But then we started talking to um, a specific potential beta client and we realized that they are a perfect fit for exactly what we're trying to do. And they have ideas about potential products they want to build. And it was kind of this like aha moment of is there value in allowing customization as a service for smaller companies who've built their own platforms, that sort of things, so people who don't use the, the big name brands? So that was that was just an idea that kind of came up yesterday. And it was a bit of a 180 from an assumption, but it was something where kind of exposing certain things took something that was totally off the table and said, not sure if we should do this at all, but let's at least look into it and let's explore it. And so I think just mm-hmm. continuing to add perspective allows you to sometimes again take these assumptions that you've made and think oh actually maybe no maybe not maybe maybe we should look at that and i think a couple of the other ones would just be i think a lot of times with the work we currently do uh, or our, our full stack team do, full stack teams do it's all very product focused, right? We're we a full stack team who builds a product. And so some of the exciting stuff for our exploratory team has been the aha moments of not saying, here's something that informs the product, but here's something that informs your business approach or your marketing approach. This is how you hmm. should present yourself on the website, right? Um, just positioning as a value add to a client saying, the the product that you're building is going to have unique features but a unique value is just going out there and saying like in a b2b world we're going to act b2c and say hey this is what we're going to deliver to you. We're not going to hide any secrets. We're not going to fill it full of buzzwords and s- either say too much, say nothing at all, or say a lot while still saying nothing. Right. We're actually going to give clear, concise language and present what they need and give them all the information up front and not request, make them request demos and do all right. We're just going to give them the information they need and then trust them to decide if our client is a good partner for them. Right. So just things like that where we are exploring how to approach problems and solve problems that will, at the end of the day, impact their product in a positive way, but aren't actually about the product itself. So those are really exciting things we're currently exploring. And there's a lot more, but I won't give too too many away right now.
2: Yeah. No, that's great.
1: It's so good. Well, Aubrey, I, I, as we wrap up here, I think... I can tell your energy and just your creativity um, around both the potential of the way that we're serving our clients, but also I love, man, I love that language of uh, relationship-centered design. Again, a little, little tricky to say, but I think I love the, the concept of it. Um, what are you excited, at, you know, for Crema, as we're growing, as we're deepening this craft, right, as we're getting deeper into this work, as we're, you know, we're going to learn a lot along the way, what gets you excited? Where, where, where do you see the future of this going? here at Crema or um, the ways that we can serve clients as this team grows?
0: Yeah, I think, well, for me, right, when last year, I just, I kind of had this moment where I was like, I don't want to be doing what I'm, what I'm doing anymore right now. And it, I kind of have a set of rules for when I, when I decide it is time to move on to a different job. And um, it was kind of one of those things where I, I consider growth, right? Are you encouraged to invest in your spell, in yourself? Um, are there paths for advancement? Are you given the opportunities to explore new skills, right? Our idea of constant improvement, right? And and I had that potential, um, but I didn't really feel like I was learning new work. And then so I said, okay, relationships. Do you believe in the company you work for and are you inspired by the people you work with? And 100% through and through. Like I love working at Crema. I love the teams that I work on. Um, I I really love the clients that we work with and the the impact that we get to make. And so all of that was good. And the last one is are you are you passionate about what you're doing every day? Like does it does what you do every day bring you joy? I have this perspective that um people's jobs kind of fall into three categories. You can have a job, which you know is just your standard nine to five. You do it for the paycheck and nothing else. Careers where you like what you do, but you probably wouldn't do it if you weren't getting paid. And then you have passions where if you had all the money you ever needed, would you still want to do the work that you're doing, right? And working at Crema and the sort of work we're doing is a huge passion for me, but I wasn't passionate about certain type, like the the long-term of projects. And I was just really passionate about the ideas. And once the ideas were gone, like my passion just wasn't there anymore. And so mm-hmm. just having the opportunity now to say, you know, I was at that point I said, I need either find a place that I fit in Crema so I can continue that growth, so I can explore these things and these skills that I want to learn, or I or I, I really didn't know what else I was going to do because I don't ever want to leave Crema. <laughs> but I, I said, I really <laughs> want to be able to explore these other things. And so now getting to do that right now that I feel like we have this new team, right? We're getting to do exploratory work. And at this point, it's just saying, where do we want to go with this? And I don't really know if there's a full answer to that right now. I think that we are going to learn a lot as we kind of continue into this. I do know that the, the clients we're already getting to work with and the problems we're already getting to solve are having an impact. And we're getting to work with really amazing people and amazing teams and we love it. And our team is really kind of focused on this idea, right? We're we all we're all ideas people. And so something we say a lot is, do you want to solve the problem or do you want to be right? And I think the exciting thing about our team is none of us are too concerned with being right. We just really want to find the best way to solve the problem. And so wherever mm-hmm. we go, right, I think we're going to get to do all sorts of different types of projects. None of our projects look the same. They're all going to have different intended outcomes and goals. But we're going to get to solve really cool problems that are going to be new things that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. And so huh. I'm just really looking forward to all the potential problems that are down our down the line for us and uh, all the challenges that those will bring and everything we're going to learn from it as a, as a team and a company.
1: Well said. I love that. Thank you. Thank you, Aubrey, for jumping into this. I mean, this is this is like we said before, this is this is something we've been doing for many years, right? This type mm-hmm. of work, this type of thinking has been true of Crema for a long time, but to de- to dedicate and kind of put pressure into this, this, um, this team becoming experts and really qualifying this as something that we can lead with, uh, I'm pumped to have you on the team doing that work. And um, I love the transparency. I mean, right, this mm-hmm. is where we want people to grow and flourish. And um, so I'm I'm pumped to see you doing it. And I'm gonna, honestly Dan and I keep saying it. We're excited for that team to grow mm-hmm. um, and do more of this work. That this is going to be one of the key things that that Krema is doing into the future. So thank you for being on the podcast day, Aubrey Dan. Always a pleasure to of see course. you. Uh, Loved thanks every for, bit of it for being here. This is so much fun. So uh, until next time, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you listening to our uh, little thing that we do called um, People of Product. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. And share this podcast with your bosses, with your friends, with coworkers, because uh, we want to get the word out that we do believe in relationship-centered design. And that's what People of Product is all about. Well said. Thanks, everybody.
2: Cheers.
0: Well, thanks so much for having me on, guys. This is great. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Julie Branson and Steph Inger. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.